Hello, I'm Dr. Max Pemberton, a doctor and Daily Mail columnist, and welcome to the first part of a two-part podcast where I speak to London-based chartered physiotherapist, Sammy Margot. She's going to be talking to us about the effect lockdown has had on our bodies. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure lots of people know or have heard about sort of physiotherapy, but can you start off maybe just by just sort of explaining exactly what it is and the sort of principles behind it? So hi, Max, and thanks for having me on this podcast. So physiotherapy helps restore movement and function when someone is affected by injury, illness, or disability. And in order to do that, we use lots of different modalities, ranging from mobilizations, massage, dry needling, stretching, strengthening, functional movement, and giving people lots of advice about things like how best to set up their workstation, how best to sit, how best to stand, how best to sleep, uh, advice on bed. So so physio is a really broad subject and it covers people from paediatrics, from kids, all the way through to sports injuries and to the elderly and patients who've got neurological problems. And we've seen a lot of those during lockdown. Yeah, so this is this is the thing. So it's it's a, such a massive topic, physiotherapy. But I was sort of particularly interested, obviously, now that we're sort of you know coming out of lockdown and sort of I suppose thinking about the things that you've seen in your clinics, kind of related to lockdown, and also kind of maybe sort of thinking about as we're sort of getting up and getting out again back into the real world, um, as sort of the, the the things that we've got to be mindful of. Because I think lockdown's been really tough, tough on all of us, not just mentally. You know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I've been sort of very interested in the effect it's had on people's, you know people psychologically um, but it's also been really tough on us I think physically hasn't it? Totally so lockdown's been really tough on us physically and as a chartered physio particularly working in a busy practice I've seen the huge impact that lockdown has had so it's had a physical and mental impact as you know Max on many of us so the areas that I've really seen a huge impact range from well if I just start out with the fact that even before lockdown we were leading increasingly sedentary type lifestyles we were getting more and more sedentary and I think what lockdown has done is it's taken us to the extremes of sedentariness if there is such a word. And people have moved to work from home, they're sitting for prolonged periods on their chairs, they're not getting out, they're not exercising as much as they used to, or they're exercising excessively, they're not wearing their shoes, they're they're all around in more slumpy, relaxed clothing, and people just aren't as active and as mobile and as motivated as they were prior to last year. March 2020. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I suppose I'm quite sort of typical in that I spend a lot of my time sitting at my desk, you know, sort of seeing patients and so on. But I normally would sort of try and exercise at least three or four times a week. And also I've been doing lots of kind of walking in between. And actually I found during lockdown, of course, without the gyms being open, sort of very, lots of, you know, our sort of movement being restricted in lots of ways. Um, I've really noticed the effect it's had on my body, just quite literally physically, just like the, my, my muscle definition has sort of changed quite dramatically over, over a year. And when I look back at photos, you know, I was sort of taking of myself in the gym maybe 18 months ago and then compare it to now, <laughs> I'm sort of fairly devastated. Yeah, no, I completely understand. And many of our patients have had the same experience in that just because they've not been as active as usual. And as you say, the gyms have 
haven't been open. People haven't been as motivated as they were before. They've definitely atrophied. Their muscles have definitely deteriorated. And we know from studies that even if you have two weeks of not being as active as you normally are, you can actually lose 5 to 10% of your muscle mass. So there's definitely been a deterioration in, as you say, muscle tone, muscle mass. But that translates into more functional disabilities, ranging from weakness, and in the elderly, people are having more slips, trips, falls, and even in the young people who, whose, let's say, knees were, were kind of chugging along okay with exercise, their knees that were knee problems are already there. Their knee problems have flared up because they've just become weaker, less active, they're not doing as much stretching. And as you say, because the gyms haven't been open, there hasn't been that that desire, that motivation to get out and about. So that's, that's, I suppose that's one of the things I've wanted to think about was the sort of aches and pains that people are getting. Because I mean, I certainly noticed that I was quite stiff I felt, it might have been sort of psychosomatic, but I sort of felt, I could feel almost like my muscles kind of like seizing up during the lockdown. But now I've started exercising again properly, I've kind of got little twinges here and there. So talk to me about the kind of like aches and pains that people are, are experiencing now. So the main aches and pains, in fact, the main ache and pain that we saw during lockdown was what I would describe as Zoom neck. And I'm sure most of you can imagine what that is. So yeah. this is Zoom. It's been the absolute bane of my neck. life. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's been Zooming all day long, meetings about meetings about meetings. So my understanding is two thirds of people are now working from home, which is huge huge so they've completely changed their working practices the, the commute has disappeared the gym has disappeared and just the getting dressed to go out to work so instead of doing all of that they're just sitting for prolonged periods leaning forwards to look at a screen and you can't kind of go elsewhere because you've got to look as if you're present um, and I think what we've as you know Max from your psychiatric background the heightened anxiety as well you know fears about jobs fears about the uncertainty that's also impacted on top of that but just in terms of zoom neck what we're seeing is an increase in neck pain shoulder pain and back pain and that's purely from hunching over a computer leaning forwards and remember most people are using a laptop at home they haven't got a perfect workstation set up at home they haven't got a standing desk and a sitting desk and they, they're, they're set up they're working from the kitchen table and most kitchen chairs don't even have arms on them so their arms are floating in the air they're, they're leaning forwards in not an ideal setting under a lot of pressure under a lot of stress with the kids in the background and they haven't got any release they haven't been able to go out and exercise they haven't been able to go out and walk because they've got meetings back to back to back and I think just because of the postural position the prolonged sitting leaning forwards into a screen we've seen a huge upsurge in zoom neck and and that's as a result of that that slumpy posture with your chin poking forwards um, and what that does is it pinches on the nerves in the neck and that can cause neck pain it can cause headaches it can cause shoulder pain arm pain hand pain as well as low back pain so actually as you're speaking I'm now sitting up properly <laughs> but actually I suppose one of the things I don't really I'm I've never really thought about how I sit what tips what kind of advice would you give to people sitting not just I suppose well we could think about the chairs that they may be sitting on but also quite literally how are you supposed to sit 
This is a really tricky one because the reality is that we need to dispel some of the myths here. There is no perfect posture. It's Our bodies are designed to move little and often. So ideally, I can give you a few tips, but really you need to be implementing breaks into your day and having varying sitting positions. So having a standing desk. So for example, standing at your kitchen surface and doing some of your work there some of the time, sitting sometimes at your kitchen table when you're working from home, but even sitting on the floor with your computer on the sofa, just varying how you're sitting, but also taking regular breaks. But if you are sitting on a chair, make sure that your BBC, your bum is into the back of the chair and that your screen, particularly if you're zooming, has been set at eye level because many, many people, particularly people with long trunks, I would say, I've got a lot of patients with long trunks who've come to see me. They think that they're not, not just are elephants. Sh- are <laughs> exactly, not just <laughs> elephants. But they think that their body will fit into a um, a laptop and, and really what they need to do is get a separate keyboard or a separate screen so they can separate out their keyboard from their screen. So when they're sitting up in a, a Zoom session, they look into the screen at fully sitting up height. So I think looking at your workstation setup at home, but also varying where you're working, taking breaks and going for walks like your lunch break should be a walking break or even if you need to have a conversation with one of your work colleagues, use your mobile phone. It's mobile, which therefore means you can go for a walk and be mobile whilst you're still working, if at all possible. So I just think it's really about acknowledging that it's the sedentary existence that's not great. And then on top of that, we've got the anxiety and the increased release of cortisol, which we know as physios, and you know, Max, um, has a huge impact on a pain on muscle tightness on muscle soreness so that will further amplify the discomfort particularly in the zoom neck area so it's not just about sitting sort of sitting upright so you know my mum would always sort of when we were kids sort of tell us for slouching so actually not slouching isn't just that's not an answer on its own you're saying so actually we've got to make sure that we vary where we're sitting getting up you know putting breaks into our working day and also, I was kind of interested in this idea. So you've got to elevate the screen. So presumably, is that so that we're not kind of looming down onto the screen, like looking down onto it, but we're kind of making us lift our head up. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah. So looking up towards the screen. And the other thing that people ought to think about is eyesight checks, because even if your eyesight's adjusted very, very slightly, you might kink your neck, even if it's one or two millimetres. And that one or two millimetres can actually have an impact on what's going on at your cervical spine, what's going on with the nerves in the neck. So make sure you think about getting your eyesight checked as well. But certainly getting the screen up to a higher level so that it's in line with your eyes when you're sitting up or standing up correctly. But I think we do need to dispel the myth about good posture because the thinking very much as physios is that there's no one good posture. We have to consider all of the factors. We have to look at, um, we call it a biopsychosocial model. So we need to look at the interconnection between all the other factors that are going on. Like, is there noise around? Are there kids in the background? Have you been for a walk? Have you had a good meal? Are you tired? Have you slept well? Are you drinking too much? Are you smoking too much? So I think it's not just about the posture standalone it's considering all of the other lifestyle factors into the mix i was interested what you're saying about sort of standing up because actually i've got a friend of mine she works and she way long before the pandemic she's been working from home for a very very long time and she stands up and i always thought she was a bit 
crazy. <laughs> no, she's you, not why, why, crazy. Why would you stand when you can sit? Well, you know, I think varying how you work is a really good thing. And standing desks have become really, and particularly for my patients that work in the city, they're all asking their bosses for standing desks or vary desks, variable height desks, which means you can stand, perch, and sit so you can do all three so it's really about juicing up your joints changing your positions but if you're doing it at home what you could do is just place the computer on your kitchen surface if you're taller place it on a chopping board on top of your kitchen surface to raise it a little bit more and just try working in standing and swaying from side to side leaning backwards and forwards just move whilst you're at your computer because it's the sedentariness it's the prolonged protracted sitting and compressive forces that are acting down on your spine that are not good for you and what about um you know these balls actually i have someone at work that's i've never asked him about it actually but he does he does all of his work sitting on this big i don't know what they call it like a yoga ball or something it's like a swiss ball swiss ball that's it yes yeah a big ball and he swears by it. I've never properly asked him why he does it, actually. Is that, is that, yeah. is that right? Is that okay so, to do? Is it any help? A uh, Swiss ball can be helpful. I wouldn't sit on a Swiss ball all day long. As physios, we use Swiss balls as exercise aids to help improve your core stability, which is a very fashionable word. That's like your, your so, abdominal muscles, isn't yeah, it? Right? Yeah, so, your yeah. abs. But actually, I quite like this Swiss ball for just a change in position. I've actually got my 13-year-old son when he's playing on his Xbox to sit on a Swiss ball instead of slumping on the sofa for a change. It's only because it switches on his muscles, he's less slumpy, and it's just a good thing to do. So I think not to sit on it all day long, but just to use it as an adjunct, just a different way of sitting so that you can sit up on it. And there are different styles of Swiss balls. You can get them with with back supports on them nowadays. But I think it's just a nice thing to use, and it's something quite convenient to have at your home. So you've got your kitchen surface, you've got the floor, you've got your sofa, you've got your um, Swiss ball, you've got lots of different ideas for different positions that you can work in. And you were saying chairs preferably with armrests, is that right? Yeah, so this is something that people have not factored in at the kitchen table. And I see this time and time again, which is that most people don't have a carver seat at home. They've just got, you know, fashionable kitchen chairs with no arms. And when you're working, you actually, you your neck, your arms and your shoulders, they need to rest. Your, your elbows need to be by your side. So your tummy needs to be touching the table. Your arms need to be by your side and supported. And I've got all these patients that are working very long hours, typing away, but they're hunching their shoulders up and their arms, are, their elbows are floating in the air. And they come in complaining of, oh, my neck and my shoulders are sore. And that's because their, their neck and shoulders have been carrying their arms all day long while they've been typing, whereas they don't realise at work that their arms are not free-flying. Their arms are well-supported by the arms of the chair on their office chair. I mean, some of my patients, they nicked their office chairs. They went in by night um, to steal the <laughs> office chairs, in the, put it in the car, and take it away from their offices so that they could work at home with their office chair, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I was interested in what you were saying as well obviously as a psychiatrist 
about the kind of you know the, the, the cortisol which is that hormone that's got a stress one of the stress hormones that we release when we're kind of stressed and of course actually working from home it's not just the literal physical stress that's put us under but actually lots of people have experienced emotional kind of psychological stress because you know there's something got kids screaming in the background things aren't quite as they would normally have been set up as uh, when they were working from an office people are nervous about kind of being made redundant loads of different things going on and so that idea that people are much more tense and that that then translates into their muscles being tense and more likely to sort of have aches and pains so what what would you advise from that side of, of things about how people sort of relax their muscles like what can people do so unequivocally the uncertainty the anxiety has increased people's stress levels and increased their cortisol levels and as a consequence it has unequivocally increased their muscle aches and pains and people's pain pain receptors are more heightened when their cortisol levels are more elevated it's also impacting on the quality of their sleep so when your cortisol levels are higher then you don't get that deep restorative protein synthesis sleep so so you're just feeling not as great as it ordinarily would so there's a few things that you can do to help uh, reduce your cortisol levels from a physical standpoint one is obviously exercising and exercising you know it increases your endorphins but even if you can't exercise I always suggest bite-sized chunks or exercise snacks so instead of saying to yourself oh I've got to do an hour a day why don't you just do three 15-minute walks a day Um, And instead of saying to yourself, oh, I really need to make sure like you were, Max, in the gym three times a week, just little and often making sure that throughout the day, if you've got stairs at home, you're going up and down the stairs or you go for a walk up to the shop to get your, your milk. So just doing daily little snippets of activity and that will help reduce your cortisol level. I think the other things that can also really help, a nice hot bath will help reduce your cortisol levels, a good night's sleep you know there's no there's nothing better than a good night's sleep but also there's other strategies like progressive muscle relaxation which is a sequence of exercises that you can do which involves breathing and contracting and relaxing your muscles that was invented by Jacobson it's it's evidence based and it's been proven to be really effective but even meditation yoga pilates all these exercises also involve breathing tai chi i'm a huge fan of and taking up these exercises during lockdown can actually help you cope with your stress levels as well as keep your bodies in tip-top conditions and there's lots of these kind of guides i suppose people might hear this and then think yeah but i don't know how to do it there's lots of guides aren't there on things like youtube and there's lots of clips and, and guidelines around how to actually do uh, these kind of relaxation techniques you know online so if people yeah, maybe so don't even have access on, to yeah, if, they, if you don't have a physio, obviously you could seek out the advice of a physio now face-to-face or on a Zoom call or that there's loads of stuff online. But even on Netflix, on YouTube, that there's so much information out there. In fact, we have a bit of information overload, which funnily enough is quite stressful anyway because you don't know which way to turn. But sometimes it's better to go and get bespoke advice and guidance for yourself because everyone is different. We acknowledge that everyone is different and everyone has got different problems. So sometimes it's good to go and get specific guided advice from your physio as to the best thing that you can do to help your problem. And I love this idea about kind of little exercise snacks. I think that's a great idea. But my uh, my neighbour actually, so I live on the 37th floor and he lives on the 36th floor. And at the very beginning of lockdown, he decided just every day for just one week, he just walked up one flight of stairs and then got the lift up the rest. And I bumped into him the other day and he's now walking all 36th floor. <laughs> 
I have to say, Max, that I love that idea. And actually, that will bring me on to talk about lockdown knee shortly. But I love the idea of stair climbing. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I can't imagine how long 37 flights take. How long does it take to do that? It's quite a long time. But it's interesting, actually, because he's in his 70s. He has MS. So exercise for him, he was saying, actually, exercise. He was really worried because he normally goes to the gym. We actually go to the same gym. And I see him very regularly in the gym. And, um, and he was really, really devastated when the gym's closed because he was like, actually, I'm worried that, you know, kind of things are going to deteriorate quite rapidly if I'm not exercising regularly. So he just did it very gradually, just sort of built himself up. So each week he'd just go an extra flight of stairs. I thought it was just genius, so clever. But no, that is absolutely amazing. And I think sarcopenia, which is, which is the natural decline of muscles, and, and we've seen this a lot in the aging population and the the less able population we've seen a huge increase in weakening and consequent deterioration in this age group so we see this in this age group but then you've got to translate that into the kind of 40s 50s 60s they're having the same thing but a modified version i I normally train every day in the gym i i enter bodybuilding competitions can you believe it and i was horrified to see like you the difference between um, how I was before and um, how I was after. And it's actually taking a really long time to get back on track because I'd like your, your your chap on the 38th floor. I'd got to a really good level of holding my position with just a bit of maintenance. And now you get all of that muscle atrophy and you've got to start all over again. And I have to say it's, it's taking at least six weeks. It will take all of you who are just starting back six weeks to get back on track. And you won't really see the major changes until three months because it it takes a while. We're very quick to lose muscle, but it takes a lot longer to regain the muscle, unfortunately. Yeah, because actually I've, um, I've, I know myself and I know they're sort of, uh, I get demotivated very quickly. So I've actually, um, as soon as lockdown sort of started to be eased and we're allowed back in the gyms, I actually just thought, you know what, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go a couple of times, feel a bit disillusioned and I, and I won't go back again. So actually I got a trainer just for, just for a couple of months, just to kind of get me back into the swing of things. I think, um, I think that's a brilliant that's a brilliant idea because you get some structure back into it and you've got someone to chat to and, and you're yeah. paying someone so you have to turn up. You can't just decide, exactly. I didn't sleep so well last night. <laughs> I'm not going to turn up. So so you've got to turn up because you've paid the money. <laughs> yeah, you have to be kind of, you're suddenly accountable to someone. That brings me actually on to the next kind of thing I want to talk to you about was this kind of fact that mo- most people, I know there's been some sort of very uh, kind of incredible people that have managed to somehow remain mo- motivated and they've been sort of doing Zoom exercise or whatever. But actually, I think it's fair to say the majority of us have struggled with that probably actually just not bothered um and even actually i think the people that have done it it's not quite the same as going back to the gym so what's your kind of advice or tips about starting back exercising because i suppose we thought about the psychological thing around lack of motivation but physically i mean certainly i've noticed that you know suddenly i'm you know much more achy afterwards after gym sessions than i normally would be so what kind of stuff have you been seeing and what, what advice have you got for us so like you, I've been seeing patients that either went all hell for leather, Joe Wicks every day, overdid it, got injured, or I'm, I've seen people at the other extreme that literally did nothing. And now the gyms, as you say, are opening. And the main thing is to just go back gradually. Don't be despondent. Don't get 
demotivated. So depending on what you're doing, so I, I lift very heavy weights and I, I was lifting super heavy weights. So I had to basically reduce my weights by half and, in, and double my repetition. So that's always a good place to start. So reduce the loading and just readjust to the loading because your muscles, ligaments and tendons have come off the ability to load up again. So just reduce it to half and double the loading. Perhaps I normally go every day and do a different body part. So I've been going every other day so that my body gets a chance to rest in between and just recover. You've got to recover. And and I think for those of you that are really into cardiovascular exercise, it's just to, instead of saying, oh, I can't do 30 minutes on the cross trainer, maybe start out with 10 minutes on the cross trainer and then go for a walk around the block. Just gradual, graded, incremental exercises. You can use the NHS app, that's 0 to 5K, which I think is a great app to get you back on track. But Think think of it in terms of a six-week chunk just to get yourself back to a certain level and allow yourself three months. Be kind to yourself. I think everyone's not being so kind to themselves. So be kind to yourself and just allow yourself to feel a little bit achy, a little bit of pain. Make sure you're stretching. Make sure you're eating well. Make sure you're sleeping well and just gradually get yourself back into the gym. But don't be despondent like me who was despondent. Don't be despondent that you're not back where you were um, when you started. I think that's right. Isn't it? I think we've all been Will's our worst critics. Um, you know, I, I sort of, my internal voice is always, you know, fairly negative in a way that I, I would never be that negative to anyone else. I'd always be really encouraging, and yet to me, I'm like, oh, for goodness' sake, come on! And I suppose that's a really useful bit of advice: is that actually, you know, give yourself a bit of a break and be a bit kind to yourself because everybody's been through this really weird, extraordinary time, and actually, the vast majority of people haven't been able to keep up with exercising. They have, you know, regressed a bit. They're not going to be able to just pick up where they left off a year, year and a half ago and that that's actually okay and it's all right and maybe sort of allow ourselves a couple of months to just sort of get back into the routine and and, and get back to used to it's kind of rhythm and routine yeah exactly it's the rhythm and routine of what you did before and also be grateful <laughs> that actually we're out of this and we once were there and we will get back to where we were it just will take a bit of time and that's just fine That's all we've got time for today, but come back next week for part two. In the meantime, if you want more from Sammy, then check out sammymargophysiotherapy.com. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And whilst you're there, please leave us a review.